Today on our show... With thanks to patron Adam Alua, we are pitting four of the best directors of the modern age against each other and determining the champion. Sounds difficult. Hit it, Polly. <laughs> wow. Welcome to 380. That's the episode today, folks. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. And is that a clue as to one of the directors? Yes, it is. Sure, what the hell? Because this week, as mentioned, so it's Adam Malua. If you want to be a top-level patron of the show and tell us what subject we need to cover once every six months or so, so that's exactly what's on offer. And Adam, outstanding gentleman that he is among many of the other awesome patrons of the show, has given us this topic. First time we're pitting four different things against each other. And that is James Cameron, mm-hmm. as implied by that opener. If you're not aware, that was T2. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg. Quentin Tarantino and Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. They are the films, their films that they've directed are the pool that we're picking from. We're going down our 10 through 1 and with our unique and legendarily obscure and weird scoring system, (laughs) which is to say one that makes no sense whatsoever. None. We are inverse scoring that to give you the champion director there, according to Wayne and I. That's right. And then everyone else can rant and rail about that later. Do you have a favorite, Wayne, without revealing what it is? Based on my list, yeah, but... Uh, well, is that the person you thought was going to be your favorite when you started? Possibly. Ah, if I possibly, was ranking possibly. this order of directors, it's not the way that my score line comes out. I'll put it that way. I haven't. I don't know what my score will come out as, but my number one probably works out that way. I was talking to a dude at work, uh, not yesterday even, and he said, uh, what are you doing for the show this week? This is a head of one of the divisions who happened to cotton onto our show. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, I hope he doesn't hear all of it. Um, and um, he goes, Shout out to you, sir. <laughs> Welcome to what the countdown. Uh, and so I said, yeah, we're doing this kind of director battle thing. And he goes, which directors? And I told him. He goes, how the fuck are you going to do that? I went, yeah, good call. Good call. <laughs> so that's With how great it fucking difficulty or... I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Welcome to the soundboard today for episode uh. 380. <laughs> Wayne's favorite, and of course the listeners' favorite, which is why the sound sound board still exists. Wayne, let's do it then. Let's uh, get into it on the other side of the well. The segment kick off every show. It's called the recount. Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? The recount is our nail room, Paul. What up? Nail room or mail I room? I actually said nail room, yeah, didn't I? Excellent. Mail room. Nail room is what Wayne's bedroom is otherwise known as. Jordy <laughs> <laughs> Davidson said, got to go Wayne this week for last week's show, which was the top 10 Netflix originals. Got to go Wayne this week for appropriate Stranger Things placement. Can't believe neither of you had The Witcher, though. Unbelievable. Toss a coin. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I wish first season didn't come back for the second. Me neither. I have to say, I didn't really. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, Jordy. Not there with you on that particular one. Jesse Dixon said, Paul, because Wayne had extinction. Full stop. <laughs> uh, that one fucked extinction? me. In, in extraction, a, Extraction, yeah. That one fucked me on this one. Troy Spinner, who puts together this every week, said, despite using extraction and brilliant in the same sentence, I'm still voting Wayne <laughs> because there is no possible one greater than, number one greater, sorry, than Stranger Things. Ah. Fair enough. Fair enough on that one. Warren Leo said, so much good stuff. Patrons of the show. From Wayne, extra points to that impression. Fuck, that was funny. I'm not even sure what your impression was. I think it remember. was uh, my John Malkovic. Oh, <laughs> Which I invited you to make, <laughs> but right. yes, there you go. Erica San Pedro said, Wayne, seen more on his list. Uh, David Power, top level page of the show, Facebook moderator said, both got some real clangers on your list, but Paul had Hill House and Annihilation, so I'll ignore his moronic and offensive statements about Bly Manor Oof. because the alternative is voting for a list with Tony Robbins, Extraction, and Tiger King on it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see the problem. 
Catherine Guard said, Wayne for Bird Box. Oh, good. Pretty sure she's a card carry member of the Wayne Body Block. But anyway, she's maintained. Much appreciated. She's voted for more. And last one, Daniel Lowe said, got to be Wayne this week. Tiger King pushed it over the line. So Tiger King was maybe the most contentious, but it was your number 10. Yeah. Got you the winner, I reckon, Wayne, because uh, 63 votes, 33 to you, 30 to me. Closest one we've had in a very long time. Close. Very, very nice. Well done, sir. And thanks to everyone who took the time to vote in the Facebook list community, the only place where you can do that. I want to wrap up this week's recount, sort of almost with one more thing, but uh, with an email. Don't get me those these days. Yeah. It's old school medium. Very love it. This one comes from Vincent, who said, The gift that keeps on giving. Hey, guys, I wanted to give you a special thank you because, in addition to giving me a pleasant distraction every week, you've also managed to introduce me to another of my favorite podcasts with Jason from Binge Movies. Ah. Shout out to Jason. Uh, from all the way over there in uh, in Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, in, in the States. Uh, Jason, I would say something denigrating as you often do to me, but I'm above that being an Australian. We don't sink to the level of you Americans. <laughs> it started with Paul's guest appearance to discuss one of my favourite franchises of all time, a Nightmare on Elm Street series, but then it was certified after he made a guest appearance on The Countdown, convinced me to check out more of his content. Nice. Since then, I typically listen to an episode of The Countdown, followed by binge movies on a long hike, the only exercise my old ass body will allow me to do. And as always... Thanks for the consistent laughs. So that's Thank nice. You. And a nice little plug for Jason, who I'm on his show a lot, and I'm sure we'll have him back again in, in due course. So excellent. Excellent stuff there. Thanks very much, uh, Wayne. I do have one question which we must pose. Bring but it. I'm going to do it on the other side of this music cue. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the subject of this week's countdown, Wayne. The first and most important question, as mm. promised on the other side of that music cue. Which of these directors do you think has the most shaven balls? Without a doubt, Christopher Nolan. Oh, please. Let me explain. tell you why. First of all, Christopher Nolan, watch him in any behind the scenes or whatever. This guy's always wearing a sports jacket, chinos at the very least, and a dress shirt. A guy going to that kind of trouble to turn up every day for work where you could dress <laughs> like a bum has got balls as smooth as my head, son. Don't even worry about it. And you know how he got those balls, Paul? I'm guessing it was from Manscaped. Well, only one place. Absolutely Manscaped. Why, Wayne? Why? Because Manscaped goes the only place that gives you a ball trimmer, the lawnmower 4.0. In as a part of the performance package, part potentially. Of the performance package. It's got, you know, a bunch of wicked features. Not only is it a cool unit, not only does it have ceramic blades with anti-nick technology, but it just water is resistant. Water resistant. Shave your balls in the shower. Yeah. Okay, which is the best place to shave it. Wireless you charging. Wireless charging. Ball spritzer, ball toner. Dop kit. That's all beautiful. part of the performance package. And you also get a pair of the uh, awesome Manscaped boxes, which now they have a 2.0 version. How Maybe, do you find it? Yeah, they are they're great. They're great. Comfortable as, as AF. Little pouch for your for your balls mm. that are now shaven, so there's more room in there than there would have been before when it was this bush happening all over the place. Gentlemen, if you do get these, which you should, put them on right. And then just get a boner. Watch some porn. Talk to me. Anything, right? And and how's, how's the? Uh, I love the sort of easy way. No, that's the, it out, that's like I know you just yeah. fucking whip it out, son. Yeah. And it, but the, it actually makes your dick look bigger because it's the pocket around your sack and your dick <laughs> actually kind of gives you sort of a sectioned look, and it's fucking great, man. It's great. Take some pictures. Uh, but uh, if and you send want, send them just away, just to me, okay? And uh, yes, to get all of this shit, all you got to do to get twenty percent off for countdown listeners is go to manscape.com. 
anything you buy in that store, drop in the, the code CDPC20 at checkout That's and it. you get 20% off and, and free, free delivery. Flipping. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> free delivery. You, it'll get, yeah, it'll get all to you. That's just it. It's just it's a great deal, people. And let me tell you, um, I use the the Manscaped package thingy. I would say once every three days. Once every three days, it gets whipped out and... Uh, this is a man who has a lot more sex than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you can even use it to shave your ass hair if you're, if you're a white man. You use it to shave any hair. If yeah, you're any hair. Any hair. You can put it on your head if you wanted to, man. I mean, because, you know, us Asians, we don't have a lot of hair, but there's enough to need to fucking attention. You know, so. yeah, get to our age, that's certainly the case. So there it is. Countdown podcast of promoting or, or paid partners with Manscaped. Thank you very much to them for that. Let's get into it then, Wayne. Alrighty, Battle of the Directors, the 10 pool, well, the four directors coming together for a pool of about 50 films, I want to say. Yeah, and I feel like you need a pen and paper on this one, Paulie, to get the well, scores. Is yeah, that what you mean? I think you're right. All right, let me just get that. Um, I'm to hit that music. Ah, uh, there's nothing like a well-organized podcast. And this is nothing, nothing like, like a well-organized podcast. podcast. All right, Wayne, take us away. Who? What is your number 10 film? I'm going in favorites. I just went, these are my 10 favorite films, these directors. I don't know what I did. I, I didn't try and go with, oh, this is technically the best film. This film is better than that one, even though I love this one more. I just went, no, you know what? I'm just fucking doing this by ordering my favorites. You have limited us, Adam. To talking these four film, these four directors, and therefore I'm going to talk about films I've talked about before. There's no way around it. But here's the thing, though, right? Um, I don't know what I did, Paul, because I was sitting there going, "Well, I guess this one's a better made film than that one, but I like this one better." And I don't know what I've got. So what you've actually got here, people, <laughs> is you've got our ten favorite films from these directors. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And almost, the, almost the, the order is interchangeable. Almost, if you said, "I can't believe you put that at number ten, it could have been number one. It could have been. I don't know. Depends mm. what day you got me. But here's how I went with I mean, it. I could have changed some of these things, but my number one is absolutely my number one. Okay. Well, my number 10, everyone, is Kill Bill Volume 1. Ooh, not on my list. On oh, my mention. shit on me. Okay. Well, anyone who doesn't know Kill Bill Volume 1, it's about a former assassin known simply as The Bride, who wakes from a coma four years after her jealous ex-lover Bill, David Carradine, attempts to murder her on her wedding day in a foul, foul manner. Fueled by an insatiable desire to, to revenge or avenge herself, she vows to get even with every motherfucker who tried to fuck with her and then contributed to the loss of her unborn child. And then... She devises a hit list and fucks them all up in various cool ways, including with a goddamn sword. I love Kill Bill in a way... Here's the thing. I chose Volume 1 as opposed to trying to lump them both in together because the one is... one. They're both very different movies, and this is my favorite of the two. I think to myself that... Oh, this is definitely the best, the better of the two. Yeah. It's an argument to say you have this the whole bloody affair on there. Have you ever watched you, it as you, one film? I haven't. I haven't done that. So that's the only reason I haven't. Um, but this film, I think, what it was for me is that I just didn't expect to like it this much. I knew Quentin Tarantino was doing stuff, and I, and the, you know, the whole the Bruce Lee tracksuit that she's wearing and stuff is yep. just so cool looking. But there's so many cool bits about this, and I will tell you something about Quentin Tarantino. Right, he's the shit. I love all his stuff, most of his stuff, but. He is potentially not my favorite of the four directors because his stuff is so harsh. I can only watch it once, yeah, okay. twice, maybe. So that's why Teal Bill is number f number ten, 10 for me. 10 uh, I got a couple of little uh, trivia notes because we talk about this. Far so away. Bill was offered to Jack Nicholson, Kurt Russell, Mickey Rourke, and Burt Reynolds. They all passed, Ooh. so they got to they got to David Carradine. I, have to, I mean, I have to admit to being biased towards Kurt Russell. Would love to have seen him of in course, this role. Man. Yeah. Of course, man. Of course. The shot where the bride splits a baseball in two with a samurai sword in the film was done for real by Zoe Bell, Zuma Thurman's stunt double. It actually wow. wasn't effects. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. So there you go. 
Number 10. Okay. Number 10. Turn, turn out of the blocks with one point. We do score this inversely. So number 10 gets one point. Number one gets 10 points. And mm. that's how we crown mm. a winner by combining Wayne and my scores. My number 10 then and the first point in the column to this particular director, the one who you believe has the most shaven balls, Christopher Nolan for Memento. Yeah, Memento. Good call. Good call. Good call. I'm surprised it fell this low, but of the 10 on my list, if you said, here are these 10 films, Paul, which one yeah. are you going to watch? Yeah. This will be the last one I'll watch. It's the hardest work. It's got the least, it's got the biggest payoff in some ways, but you really have to think hard. You really have oh, to concentrate. Even on a rewatch, I don't think this is the kind of film you can just glide by and kind of be half in and half out of. It demands your attention because it is a real thinker. I would argue to you that because we saw this having never heard really of Christopher Nolan, this yeah. was like to us his first film, I probably was his first film, but. This one was the following. The following, yeah, following. which we had not seen. So no, we didn't even know who this cracker was, right? And then this guy appears, he's an Aussie guy. We weren't like, you know, we, we tend to be a little like that here. We were like, oh, Aussie, Aussie actor. We want to support him, but we weren't expecting necessarily the same we do from a huge movie, no, right? F- absolutely. Actor not. This or whatever. Was, uh, let's just see what this film was like. like. And yep. then we were blown away. So I can see why this, like, I would say that it's still awesome and wicked and deserves to be on the list, even though it's not on mine because. You know, Fair enough. At this low, you got to be. You know, it's absolutely worth worth it. But it is it is low for that reason because it's his first and that sort of thing. I think everyone knows what this film is about. Follows a character who is trying to find out who raped and murdered his wife, and but he has antegrade amnesia and he can't form new memories. Mm-hmm. And so the film is told a very unique non-linear perspective. Yeah, I which, thought it was told backwards, but it's not. It's flashed sideways and well, and stuff. it's kind of marching two different directions at the time and yeah. kind of lands somewhere in the As middle. As Christopher Nolan's, yeah. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's but it's amazing. It's it's it's, it's mind bending for sure. Well, now I've said that I wouldn't watch it. I feel like I should watch it again just to really enjoy that uh, experience. Two decades and more after it came out in two thousand. So there we are. It's pure class. All right, your number nine, sir. My number nine is Inglorious Bastards. Oh, another Tarantino film. Off to a hot start, but does suggest he's going to peter out fast. See, that's what's going on now. Everyone, Inglorious Bastards is uh, it's 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 a World War Two thing. It's the first year of Germany's occupation of France and the Allied officer Aldo Rain, Brad Pitt, assembles his team of Jewish soldiers to commit violent acts of retribution against the, what he calls, Nazis. And uh, this inc- includes them actually taking their scalps. He and his men join forces with Bridget von Hammersnark, a German actress and undercover agent, to bring down the leaders of the Third Reich. And their fates converge and the theater owner, Shoshana Dreyfus, who seeks the Nazis to avenge the Nazis as well, execution on her family. All ends in a very big, cool, wicked way. If there's any chance you haven't seen this yet, I won't spoil how it ends, but it is amazing. I was surprised at how much I like this. That's why it's on this here. I'm really not much of a World War II movie or Call of Duty fan. But, um, yeah, this World War II games always gave me the shit. So I'm like, give me a modern weapon for fuck's sake. But then they did one in Warfare. Like a sniper rifle. (laughs) (laughs) Sniper Elite 5, out now. Please, sponsor away. No 50 cals. You know what actually got me? That scene in the the cellar with with Michael Fassbender and, uh, you know, Diane Watson-Kruger or whatever. Kruger, yep. That went so long, that scene, but as Perk, and it happens, it happens at the beginning, it happens all of it, it's a Tarantino thing, that particular tension built so particularly well that I was amazed that I was still in so much. And I think Michael Fassbender was gangster in that role, in his, his, you know, his, uh, his stiff upper British lip. I think this film is one of the great studies in tension building. Yeah, I think you're right. That, as you mentioned, the opening scene is its own thing, and I remember watching it the first time going, it's playing a little long, but you go back on a re- repeat reviewing and jeez. Man, the first time I watched this, I was there with my then girlfriend and we sat and she's sitting there going, because it's going so long, the opening scene, right? Where the, where the Jews are, they mm-hmm. hiding the Jews. 
And she actually leaned over. She goes, I've got a piss, but I can't go because I know this is going to end amazingly. That's what she said. And this was before we'd seen it before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're right. There's something about the energy of this scene slash film that makes you go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And it just keeps going and it keeps, and it goes further than you would think, but then it still pays off really well. And you said Fassbender and Brad yeah. Pitt, but yeah. I think Christoph Waltz is the outstanding. Oh no, he's the, this he's the, the revelation here. Yeah. And yeah, you know. This is my film of the year. I think, was it 2009? Understandable. Is that the year it came out? I think so. <laughs> I haven't got written it down, but Good it's around that time. Good to your notes are. Well, uh, speaking of uh, one of our listeners, Kath, she said that she she had never seen a Tarantino film before uh, upon discovering this podcast. What? And she said, which should we start with? And a lot of us said Inglorious Bastards. And she said it was the bomb. So you see, it is the bomb, is what I'm saying. It was 2009. Is this on uh, your list? No, it's not. It's my number. So I have to say that it's my number 12. 12, so yeah. It's my honorable mention. Fair enough. Good. At least we're talking about some different ones. Couldn't, Shit. couldn't, but yeah, couldn't make it. I'm sure the higher we go, the more regular they will become. By the way, Quentin Tarantino Universe, uh, the character of Aldo Rain is confirmed to be Floyd, the pothead on the couch from True Romance. Yeah. They're actually the, they're related. That's his, his grandfather, whatever. Both played by Brad Pitt. Very, very cool. And here's something that really has always pissed me off. Not pissed me off, bugged me, perplexed me about this film. The. Spelling of bastards, purposefully misspelling it. Yes. Quentin Tarantino was asked about it. He says this. He goes, here's the thing. I'm never going to explain that. You do an artistic flourish like that, and to explain it would just take the piss out of it and invalidate the whole stroke in the first place. I understand, Quentin, but as a guy who is a bit of a spelling Nazi, it gave me the shits of it. <laughs> I'm fine with it now, but just so you know. It I don't works. know. All I can think of when it's like, oh, Tarantino's confirmed that... Brad Pitt's character in, in True Mance was was his grandson or related to the guy he writes, you know, 25 years later. Yeah, fucking bullshit. You reckon that was a post... Uh... I, I think this. Fucking condescend me, man. <laughs> Look, if you get the same guy twice to feel... Yeah, I'd yeah. say that shit too. All right, my number nine. Surprise, this is so low for me, but I, again, had to go with my favourites. And I, this is one of my absolute favourites of all time. It's the film which kicked off the summer blockbuster. It is Steven Spielberg's genius... Second official kind of film, Jaws. I thought this would be number one for you. I, I seriously thought this would be number one for you. No, no, because it's just. I understand. These first four directors are, are, are outstanding. I know this one won't be English. You don't love it half as much as I do, but this sort of pseudo adventure film with horror elements and following these three brilliant characters played by Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, and Richard Dreyfus going out to the ocean to hunt this human eating shark when it closes the beaches of Amity. Like, what a study oh, yeah. intention, again, in, in a different particular way. And from a young director, working with a mechanized or mechanized shark in water, which wouldn't fucking work. Dude. And so they had to get inventive on ways they shot it, and it produces this result. Like, this nev- holy shit. This never happens. If you're on a film where the thing that the film is about fucks up, and it's the, what, 70s? Yeah, 74. Well, shot in 74. Shot in 74. So your technology is not good anyway by today's standards. And he's just got to go, well, maybe I just don't show it for a while then. And probably the studio goes, fuck off, what? Because no one's ever done that before. And then it turns out to be this film, and it's his first real film. Like, And he's not old at this point in time. No, he's young. So he's he like, this is like an ex- a happy accident. 30-ish? I don't know. And, yeah. and he's got these three, vet- well, two veteran actors, and Richard Dreyfuss is probably around about the same age. Absolutely amazing that it went away this way. That's, that's the real magic of this film. Mm-hmm. It fucking shouldn't have worked, but it did. And some of those, some of the technical flourishes, that shot on the beach when the kid's getting eaten and it's, they're throwing, getting thrown. Well, it zooms in on him as the background pulls away. First time that had ever been done. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, on screen. So. Is that a dolly zoom? Yes. Is it sort of, yeah, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Really? I didn't know that. I think that's what it's called. But, yeah, basically, you're, you're 
pulling back as you move the camera as, as you focus as, yep. as you zoom in the camera. yeah that's cool that's cool yeah Great awesome enough. shit amazing film great ending some incredible lines and of course Quint's USS Indianapolis speech holy the, shit the thing I remember when I saw this film was actually the the throwing the fucking the, the scuba tank in into George's mouth and you shoot it and he blows up yep. that to me as a child smile you son of a bitch yeah but son that was a... inspired I was like oh you can do that I was like, cool. Then I started experimenting with their assault cans. It didn't go well. <laughs> but yeah, there you are. Richard Drivers pops out of the water. Of course, in PJ Bentley's novel, he dies. Does he? Yeah, it doesn't get out of the shark cage. Yeah, you don't want to kill fucking another stakeout guy. You don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we were just a stakeout guy. <laughs> I was like, okay. It's funny if I say another stakeout. Like I would call myself Blade 2. <laughs> All right, what do you got for your number eight? Okay, my number eight's going to piss you off, Paul, but here's where it fell for me. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's not even number seven. I know. No, I was gonna. I was, well, I was gonna put something else in my number seven, but I didn't do that either. Um, it's aliens. What? I know. All right, look here it is, Paul. Here it is. All right, aliens is the shit. It's on my list. It is one of the best things ever. And as I said, you could move it around, but you're killing me, Smalls. Okay, so aliens is quite a bit like a horror film, if you ask me, and hence Paul's love of it. And Game hence, over, man. Oh shit, my see, yeah, see this now? kind of shit. Paul puts all do? kinds of shit on his phone board because one, he's a cunt, but also <laughs> fuck you. Um, <laughs> now, aliens. Yeah, oh my it's, god. Because uh, uh, like, here's what I hear from people: this is as close as it gets to a perfect sci-fi film, and I couldn't agree more because I don't even like sci-fi films that much usually. Anyway, but I whoa, 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 hold on. I'm 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 oh, sorry, I didn't get that memo in the fucking thirty-five <laughs> years of our friendship. It's not that I don't like them, but they, they a very few of them work as as a result of them being you know what I mean? Like you A vote you think, for Wayne this week is a vote against sci-fi. No, it's not, you vaginal piss. <laughs> it's <laughs> Well, in case anyone doesn't doesn't know, Aliens is uh God. is is about uh, after floating in space for fifty-seven years, Lieutenant Whip Ripley, Sigourney Weaver. Her shuttle is found by a deep space salvation team, and she arrives at uh, this uh, facility with Marines who find only one survivor, a nine-year-old girl named Newt. And it's the story of these battle-hardened Marines with all the latest weaponry who are coming up against like these hordes of hundreds of aliens that have invaded the colony, and it's pretty goddamn awesome. Uh, don't get me wrong, people. I love this film. I love the shit out of it. Loves it. I love it. Loves right? it and leaves it. I love it. it. But it, as, as far as like, his favorites go, it is a little lower on the list simply because of its content, people. The genre, if anything. So it's awesome. I can't say anything more about it other than it's the balls. But Paul, I'm sure, will have far more to say about it. Aliens is the greatest hybrid sci-fi horror, arguably even war film, battle film ever made. James Cameron. Sure. I, I know that there's... This is a 50-50 split in cinephiles around the world. 50% of people say Alien, the original, is a better film. It's a horror. That's more of a horror. Haunted house. It absolutely is more of a horror. It's a more straightforward horror film in space and therefore should be my favorite. It's not Aliens. I much prefer. It's got everything that I want. I think the performances are stellar in this particular movie. What makes it The action scenes make it better. The exhilaration of having a larger group of people who are very quickly whittled down to just the core characters and you really get to know them versus for mine the characters in alien don't stand out as much no the memorable of these characters is what is getting you over the line because you you remember fucking gorman you remember fucking yeah, the, what's the, his name um who's the fucking <laughs> yeah sorry i don't remember you remember Hicks, hudson Hicks. pike no who's the fucking captain guy who's the who's the apone apone yeah Him. sergeant yep. yeah yeah uh, you know, th- that shit is all cool, you know. 
B12, please, drop yep. your cigar. So many good lines of dialogue. In this, and Cameron's not normally known for a good dialogue, but I think in this film, everything sort of comes together really, really well. Alien is wonderful, and I'm not having a go. Anyone who likes that film better, I, I understand it and I respect it. It's, I think it's just more your particular slant. Absolutely, no. But I, I we grew up when this thing, like Alien, was too. I was born too late. Like I was, it was really, really young when that thing turned up. But this thing here was right when I was what. 15 I read or this novelization by Alan, a guy named Alan Dean Foster, who wrote a lot of these sort of sci-fi before novels, the film. Before I watched the Ooh. movie, and I read this as I think I was at the start of year seven, so eleven years old. I read it in less than 24 hours. Really? That's how much this, this captured Is me. this a novelization of the film or yes. was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And then I watched the movie and watched it again and again and again and again. And arguably, this is the film on this list I've seen the most times. I can't count. It's at least 20 times. I haven't watched it more than two or three times in the last 15 years. But when I was young, if I wanted something on, aliens. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I totally get it. You know what? Fun fact. I actually... Used to as a as a child, as fifteen year old, I the only time I ever read books was I enjoyed what they called movie tie-ins, yeah. which was the novelization of film, right? This was, yeah. But that's all I read because I loved looking at the nuance between the difference of the mm-hmm. book and the movie. Right? I've stopped ever since because I started reading magazines like a fucking brain dead bitch. But <laughs> I, I knew this would. I, I'm got, I'm pretty sure I know where this is coming up on your list. So well, yeah, I'm probably being pretty apparent. But uh, while we're on James Cameron and his entry in the list, let's let's give him another one here because this will probably be low for you, Wayne. My number eight is True Lies. Yeah, it's low for me. Yeah. But I understand because that's the list, yo. Uh, so True Lies. Tell us about True Lies, Paul. Arnold Schwarzenegger in full flight, this remake of this French film where he has leading a double life, pretending to be kind of Mr. Boring with his family, but meanwhile saving the world with his... You Being know, a spy motherfucker. Spy. James Bond on steroids. That's right. He's just shooting motherfuckers and killing them left, right and center and there's no subtlety to him. He is a absolute hammer of a man and destroys everything in his path and a loving caring father and, and husband who, however... Because he's so busy with work, is kind of his, his wife's bored yeah, his wife's and moving bored, on, and she, fucking, her needs yeah. aren't being taken care of. So she gets involved through machinations. And Bill Paxton, you know, we won't that won't be the last time we mention him on Bill this Paxton particular countdown. Bill Paxton is the shit. Yeah, incredible stuff. What what a film! So entertaining. Tia Carrere, hot AF. Hot take for me: this role suits Arnie better than Conan, better than mm. Predator. I believe. I think that okay. Arnie at this stage is still... Like, he's a bodybuilder, sure, so he's always going to be beefcake a, guy, but they didn't play that up too much. It's a bit later in this film, so he's five, six years later. He's not as beefcake as he was in Predator and certainly not as beefcake as he was in Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, so but he was... 10, fa- 11 years difference. But now he's falling into being no, sort of... 13 years difference. 13 years difference. Mm. Uh, this Because he's actually... He's still yeah. Arnie, but like... He's, he's trading he's, muscles for, for a little bit of range. Well, he's kind of handsome in this film. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's a handsome guy. So it's like... And, and because he's playing this, you know, dad of sorts, now he's actually to actually he has to re- rely on an acting range where previously his muscles would do so i actually well, found kind of the barbarian perfect. there's very there's almost uh, zero humor in exactly. that movie there's a little bit of humor in predator but it's mostly from the support characters not from dutch if we chart that Absolutely. and now in this film he i mean obviously tom arnold's meant to be the hilarious character and bill paxton are meant to be the funny Which, and he was great it. by the way but he absolutely has these funny moments in it you're right. That's what it was. I liked him more than was wowed by him, and that's why it's cool. Here's my fun fact about this: the set of bra and matching panties—I mean, underwear. Women don't like it when I say panties. Um, <laughs> but yet he'll keep saying it. Worn, <laughs> worn by Jamie Lee Curtis, owned by her, and also when she did the scene, the dancing scene, right? Remember the bit do where it, she's do some more. Do some, yeah, she's do she's writhing slow. she's writhing off that pole and stacks it. Yep. it's a pratfall. Arnie didn't know she was gonna do that. 
And when he reacted like this and jumped off, that was genuine. Right. And then they tried another take, but he's, but James Cameron said that the, the second time Arnie reacted when he was reacting, he wasn't as he convincing. Was acting versus... Yeah, yeah, so they used that first take. That was real when you see him jump out of his chair. Cool. Very cool. All right, we'll find out how high it goes on Wayne's list, but for now, what's your number seven? My number seven is... Fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh, just lower than me. Number six for me. Ah! Spielberg's second entry after Jaws for mine, and you're first on your list. For the record, I toyed with putting Temple of Doom on here, but when you're faced with this much class, you've got to actually take yourself out of the equation a little bit, which I hardly ever do. <laughs> um, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, of the Indiana Joneses, I would probably say this has to be the best, but a close second is, of course, the third one. Yeah, and I have the third one's honorable mention, but I couldn't put two in the in no, the films. No, when you're doing this, you, can, you absolutely yeah. cannot. Um, everyone, this is an epic tale in which the intrepid archaeologist Indiana Jones tries to beat a band of Nazis to a unique religious art relic, relic artifact, relic fact, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is central to their plans for world domination. You know, this is where you find out he's got a snake phobia. He's got a vengeful ex-girlfriend. Indy's in a lot of peril all the time. Makes cool, you know, like. Uh, escapes about everything. Uh, one of the cool things that I dug about this film is that apparently when, oh, this is just some trivia, when Brody goes to Indy's house, I had it, Marcus, I had it in my hand, Jones uh, was dressed the way he was half with the shirt on because they, he was entertaining a young woman in his bedroom and the script originally planned to show her before moving to the next sequence where he talks to Marcus. But at the last moment, Spielberg said, you know what? I don't think a worldly guy like James Bond would be such a sorry James Bond <laughs> Indiana say, Jones because <laughs> this is his James Bond movie right. this is why this is why Indiana Jones is the way he is he and George Lucas got together yeah, yeah, and said we want right. to do our version thereof exactly yep. but he wanted he didn't want Indy to be a poon hound he said I, I think it's better that being he's not a playboy didn't fit his character I don't know why because later on in the movies after Marion Ravenwood you know he does Elsa Schneider in like number three. Oh, and he does does bloody sink to the low low lows of Kate Capshaw in number two. Kate Capshaw's great, bro. We'll be <laughs> fine. I know you find her annoying, but you still hit it if you were Indian. There it is. There it is. Paul. <laughs> Paul's a lot pickier than me, everyone. So, <laughs> but uh, there you go. And also, this is one thing that I remember about this film, right? The gunshots and the body blow sound effects, right? The gunshots, the butcha 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 butcha. That's yep. right. And the when you get hit, it's like. Fuck. And apparently they made those sounds by hitting a pile of leather jackets with a baseball bat. There you go. That's why it sounds that way. So these are my trivia bits. About I'll give you one more bit of trivia for Bring Raiders it. then. Bring it. And we'll talk, obviously you've said everything that we need to, to say now as I smash my, my wedding ring against the table. Ping. Right now, the, mm. this character endures so much. Obviously we know next year sometime Indiana Jones 4 is coming out. But <laughs> <laughs> right now, Fortnite... Has a f you can do a whole 10 challenges and you get to have two Indiana Jones skins for free. It's well, still... You play as Indy. Yeah, well, you can just... Your character looks like Indy. You yeah, run yeah. around with him. It still has cultural resonance. If a modern game like yeah. Fortnite is bothering with this and the film's not out now, it's coming out next year, you can tell it still has a lot of cash. This film series endures. It absolutely stands the test of time. Raiders Lost Ark is one of the best films to watch now because it was set, obviously, in the... To late thirties, yeah, and now so it's it was a period piece, so to speak, at the time it was made. It holds up now. There are very few sequences in that film that look stupid. Oh, Even forty-one years later, how incredible is that? You know when Indy's running away from the boulder and he stumbles, mm -hmm. that's real. He didn't. They Amazing. didn't. Yeah, and it's just that's kind of cool. And by the way, the idea of your equipment arsenal as an archaeologist being a pistol, sure, 
But a bullwhip? Bullwhip, yep. Who, what an inspired choice! It's better. It's almost better than a grappling hook because you're not Batman. But it isn't. And I know, know we're in the world, the minority. I think you and I are here, but we agree. Harrison Jones as Harrison Han Jones. Solo. Harrison Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison Ford as Han Solo or Indiana Jones. Indy. Yeah, for us it's Indy. Indy, baby. Han Solo is just a bit cunty, whereas Indy, you but know, he's also, he's... he's also one of a big ensemble. Whereas this is all, this, this is, is his, his film. Movie. You're right. You're he's right. front and center. I mean, he's look, the main it's, character. It's, time and there's not end. much between them. Like I love both, but Indy. Yeah, I, I love Han Solo, Han Solo yeah, too. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, enough not to mispronounce his name too often. Yeah, yeah. nice one. Okay, mine was seven. Then, yes, and so for for four points from me is another James Cameron joint. Here's where I have Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Not bad, mate. And I'm now wondering if I've put that on my list at all. Oh, no! I fucking haven't. It's not oh, on my list. Invalid, list. invalid, invalid. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll get taken to task by the listeners there. Oh, look, it's great and everything, but like I said, you have to swap them in and out. Please keep going, Paul. Tell me about... T2, one of the greatest sequels of all time. Like Aliens, James Cameron is the master of taking an excellent first film and then improving upon it, even though he was the one that made the original Terminator as well. Hmm. This is the perfect blend, I think, of Arnie at this point. We talked about his sort of acting chops stretching. This is the film where I started to stretch, ironically, even though he's playing an emotionless robot. You reckon? St- yeah, I think this is where he's starting to, to show a little bit of Maybe starting, maybe starting, because at the end it's Obviously, like... True Lies much more so yeah, than, yeah, than yeah. this film, but that, that this precedes that film by a couple of years. So, yeah, the action is incredible. Talking about films that hold up now, watch this at the cinemas for its whatever it was, 30-year... Must have been more than 30 years, but when it came out in 4K... They stuck it up in the cinemas mm. again. Uh, maybe it was a 3D release. That's what it was. Jeez, mm. still holds up. There is, so the this Robert... film has barely a wasted frame in it, and it's like 140 minutes long. So the Robert Patrick... Um, 137. The the, 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 techno, the, the, oh, the metal so... gleaming still looks good? Still looks great. Still looks great. It's absolutely astounding. There's another film which may come on from an, one of the other directors that built made around this time, which, again, holds stands test time. I think that's more and more... What I'm seeing is a film which holds up with its effects. You know, you can forgive the fashion and whatever of the time, <laughs> but as long as the effects hold up and it's not horrendous on your eyes, you're like, oh my God, it looks so fake. Like my daughter watches something, she's not like, because she doesn't have any yeah, appreciation yeah, yeah. for anything other than what, what the modern course, day cinema is. Of course, of course. Yeah? Do you, um, question for you, Do did you dig Sarah Connor? Well, not in a, like I'm into her kind of way, but you know, oh my God, how impressive is this character arc mm. and how buff and kick All the girls talked about that. Look yeah. at her arms. Linda, Linda Hamilton arms. Yep. Did you... Oh, we talked about this once. The Guns N' Roses joke in the, in, in the, in, when he goes into the hospital or whatever facility and he's got a box of roses yes. and he pulls out gun a fucking out of gun of it. it. Yep. I didn't get that until 30 years later and someone mentioned it. I'm like, that's a great little Easter egg. So, because I think you could playing, be mine. You could be mine in there. Yeah, exactly. He was playing on that, on that track as well. On the uh, soundtrack... And one of the greatest last half an hour action sequences beginning with their you know, Cyberdyne systems battle with the police and he's not killing anyone and then being chased by the T-1000 and into the smelting. I heard an interesting, also good. I heard an interesting take on this. Uh, so who's the Cyberdyne systems, the African-American guy? What's his name? Miles um, Dyson. Yeah, okay. So if you think about this, Someone had this hot take. They said, yeah, so Miles Dyson, he's chilling and he's, you know, he's just a scientist and he's like, whatever, I'm going to work that day. And all of a sudden the most the biggest Karen in the world comes in, right? <laughs> and she grums in, puts a gun to his face and says, you don't know how to do science. 
That's what happened back then, people. Uh, imagine that as a movie. The guy goes to work one day and all of a sudden he realizes he's fueling the robot apocalypse. Very cool. All right, then. Let's hear, Wayne, your number six, and we have a halfway update scores after we give an I reveal mine. Which cool. My number six is The Prestige. Ah. And you knew it would be on my list, of course, everyone. Of course, not on mine. I don't love it the way that you do, but right. lots, lots of people love that movie. Period thriller set in Edwardian London. Two rival magicians, their partners until the tragic death of an assistant during a show. Then they start feuding bitterly and... They try and do this ultimate magic trick, the teleportation. Now, to go any further, if you haven't seen this film, would be ruining it, but I'm sure you've mostly seen it. The film itself is probably, given that it's about magic and it was one of the three big magic movies that came out that year, this thing stands alone in what it does, what it tries to do, and the wildness of the premise of the ending in that it shows the ultimate commitment of both magicians Literally, the ultimate, ultimate commitment of both of them in very different ways, but also in the same way, where they're willing to literally give up aspects of life itself just to be a magician. And that's why it's so cool. And because it's a Christopher Nolan film, it's got weird little Easter eggs, like the main character's initials spelled A-B-R-A, as in abracadabra. Huh. Uh, and all weird shit like that. And even earlier in the movie, um, th- this girl's nephew asks that the bird only gets killed in the chage, and he says, where's his brother? That foreshadows the uh, brother thing at the end. Okay. So all very cool shit. It's a prestige. You've heard me talk about it a million times. I'm going to stop yeah. now. Look, probably that will apply to everything that's high on my list from here. My number six is Raiders. So Raiders. very close there for me. So no need to talk about any more than score that. Score time, score time. Score time. Here we are then. Tarantino is trailing with three points at the halfway mark of this countdown. Nolan has six Spielberg is leading slightly, Cameron, 11 to 10. Mm. So that's the point breakdown at this particular juncture. But as we all know... It's the high end that makes the difference. That's right. You drive for the show, but you put for the dough. (laughs) Right. So, Wayne, what have you got for your five? Pulp Fiction! Ooh. Controversially, not on my list. (gasps) I know. Bitch, please. (laughs) Really? Just lost it for me. I again, had to be honest. I know! I didn't put... Uh, your mileage may vary. Like you forgot your T two versus didn't put it on there. No, well, you know how I put this list together. I did a spreadsheet, Paul. I wow. put a spreadsheet of all the, the the movies of every director, and then picked like as many of the best ones from each director's list, then put them all in in a jumble and said, "What are my favorite ten? And that's how it works. So, my Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction comes out at number ten. Sorry, eight eight for me. <laughs> I mean five. <laughs> oh, I'm fucked up, and I'm not even baked. Um, <laughs> Astounding. <laughs> Astounding. Everyone, Pulp Fiction, Vincent Vega, Jules Winfield. They're hitmen with a penchant for philosophical discussions. It's an ultra-hip, multi-stand crime movie. The storyline's interwoven with like those of the boss, Marcellus Wallace, his actress wife, and like Bruce Willis, Butch Coolidge, and you know, Wilson Wolf, Winston Wolf, the uh, the fixer. And it but put simply, would you call this a Rashomon's? No, it's not, is it? It's no, not. But I say the same thing over and over. It's again. not the same, is it? So no, this it's just is a, a mixed perspective. Mixed perspective, oh, yeah. yeah Weaving timelines and you don't realise what's before and after until the very end of the film type stuff. Man, this is an $8 million movie. And it was going to be $5 million until Bruce Willis turned up. Right. Right? And that's and what... he cost $3 million, did he? Something like that. Jesus. It, it, and, and he had to be talked into it by... Um, hey, on, on that note... Yeah. There was this Twitter thread that went around during the week. I don't know, I don't know the validity of it, but somehow someone got access to contracts for these actors in the relative modern day. Mm-hmm. So... Al Pacino, Bruce Willis, some yeah. of their last films contracts, Robert De Niro, yeah, and even um, what's her name, Megan Fox. Really? Okay. So see if you can find this, this thread out there. And basically, it was like talking about you know how many days they were going to be on set, how much money they were going to be getting paid for, mm-hmm. and then the conditions of each 
The, so like Bobby De Niro did some film. I don't even know what. I can't remember what the fucking film was. Mm. And he was shooting somewhere like Bahamas or some shit yeah. for ten days. And part of his like eight million dollar fee mm. was he and five of his family had to get the private plane to be able to fly them back to New York for a break. Absolutely. Halfway through. Yep. Of eight fucking days. And then it turned out somewhere. And if Mr. De Niro doesn't need the plane during his eight days, he'll be able to have the plane at his you know at a one month's notice. For any other reason to fly his family to somewhere within some... Like, I'm like, Jesus Christ. There's nothing new about that. I've seen writers for people... For instance, Sting, not only he's an actor, but he came to Perth. And he said, I'll come do this concert at, at this winery, which is very popular in Perth, uh, if me and my family and crew get to stay here for a week. And that's what they did. They went, yep, cool, no problem. So this shit is not That, that makes nothing. more sense than that's me. That's nothing then. to the other. Oh, if I don't want the plane, like there was, and all of them had shit like that. What's, uh, I'd love to see Bruce Willis. Uh, like the one that made me laugh most was Megan Fox going, and Megan's personal trail will not be smaller than any other actors on the set except Bruce Willis. Because whatever film they were in together. Really? Yep. Jeez, imagine living that life. Yeah. <laughs> imagine being the kind of guy who does that. Um, you know what's weird about Pulp Fiction? I read here that the screenplay, this is weird to me, says that Zed and Maynard... The Zed's dead baby, the yeah. two, the rapist, their brothers. Who's Maynard? Maynard is the other guy who's the spider just caught a couple flies. Oh, that guy, yeah, right, that right. guy, their brothers. Ugh. Why would you watch your brother rape someone? Oh. This is fucking disgusting. Anyway, sorry. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think we got there. Already. Why would you watch anyone do it? Yes, but yes, yeah. there you are. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Pulp Fiction, people, you, you, we, you know it. Of course, I totally understand. And again, I get well, people will be incensed. It's a number, I number eleven. I wanted it to be on there. It was on there. I forgot about Memento. I, I, for once, I'm not going to put my foot in your asshole about it because <laughs> we all do it here. This is how this list goes. I, I have to assume my number five is on your list, Wayne. It's another Nolan joint. It's The Dark Knight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The Dark Knight is the shit, everyone. Sometimes we have these conversations. In fact, that's what this show is about. What is the best superhero movie? You say The Dark Knight. I don't at all have any issue with that. Probably um, still. It is still my favorite superhero it film probably of all is? time. Is yep. it? Is it? Yeah, you're right. Infinity def- War comes close. It's yeah, Infinity see? War has bigger stakes. Infinity War has more action, has and all has, those kind of things. But it's the culmination of 20 whatever films Yeah, so there's different it. reasons for it. Yeah, if whereas it's a The Dark Knight is just the film. second film in a trilogy and does so much. And it elevates, I think, the genre outside of just being a superhero film. It elevates it into rarefied thriller territory. This is um, a special movie for me. Yes, I'm a massive Batman fan, but also... This is a film that I once used to cheer up my then-girlfriend. It's so good that it transcends being a chick flick, guy flick, any flick. She was down one one time, and I had bought pre-tickets to watch it in a big, not a premiere, but like a really big like advanced mm-hmm. screening thing. Yep. She was down on a Thursday, and I said, you know what? Why don't we just go see it at the Astor, which is a local sort of thing, at, 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 on a Thursday I'm night. I'm going to back myself in. I'll watch this film twice. Absolutely. I watched it twice in, in one week and still shat my pants both times. Uh, and she was actually, she saw it with me and she was so enthralled by the movie, she, it lifted her up and I felt like a better man, Paul. I felt like a better man. And it was because of Batman. So I love this shit, man. This is the bomb. And this is the first comic book movie to, to reach the one billion worldwide mark. There you go. So there you go. I, I think we have, would be remiss not to mention the performances. Absolutely. Heath Ledger, incredible in particular. One of the greatest villains of all time. Of course, Bael was doing a good job and whether or not you get behind the raspy voice is another thing. The technical side of this, I don't know if there are many better action sequences in a, in a comic book film that are largely practical than the, the chase. Dude, that shit was 
Also, you know when the, the semi-trailer thing it blows flips, up, yep. but it flips end on end? Mm-hmm. Any other movie would have made it roll. This didn't do that because he had to use an IMAX to catch all that yep. shit. I'm like, holy balls, man. And Hans Zimmer's score is just phenomenal as well. He so, used yeah. bizarre methods like, he, he would play piano wires with razor blades during the scenes with the Joker and a guitar with shards of metal. He's just doing weird shit to make it weird he's sounding. A he's I a know, genius. I, no know, doubt I know he's probably two behind John Williams, but uh, he's right there for me. I don't know, man. I didn't go to a John Williams concert. You know what I'm saying? Mm, we went to a Hans Zimmer did. concert. Would I go to John Williams if he came? Probably. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no all right, that's my five. We'll find out where it goes for Wayne. What is your number four? Four is true lies, bro. So we're back to you. Ah, all right. Let me just get the scores going here. Yeah, bring it, bring it, bring it. I'll wait till I give my seven, then we'll give the update. But all right, so I'm, I'm going Nolan again, a film which I have to be honest, I think I underestimated the first time I saw it. Go on. We're in rarefied air now. Yes, Wayne. I know. This is My the top four poignant. films are all five-star films for me. And Fair. we all know I'm a hard marker, a harsher marker than you. We do know this. You. So these are incredible. When I watched it again on 4K a couple of years ago, I was just like, I apologize, Mr. Nolan. This is a five-star film. It's my favorite Christopher Nolan film. It's the ultimate Nolan bro boy film. It's Inception. Low, but yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Inception. I just think this film is impeccably shot. Yeah. I think it's impeccably paced. I think you have to think about it. So it demands enough of you to really be invested. You can't, again, it's one of those films you can't just put on in the background and just sort of glide by. Definitely. It has amazing sequences, to. but it draws you in and it makes these really powerful, punchy points like that scene where with then Ellen Page, now Elliot Page, and they are in this sequence and, it, the, and the, the, the what's city. the name? Cobb says, yeah. yeah. How did you get here? Yeah. I'm like, damn, that's such a good point. You don't ask yourself that in a you dream. You never do ask yourself that in a dream. And like that revelation moment was like a gut punch to me. Like It's such an obvious thing, but something I'd never put into such simple language in my own mind. And yes. And for a, for a, for a uh, pragmatic thinker like Paul... <sighs> That I can see why that would have would absolutely appeal to so you. So I was in at that moment, but then afterwards you just get all the gunfire and the chases and the and the rooms turning on their ang- and the angst that he's going through to try and get back to his children and he's lost his wife and, and then the way she manifests and oh my god, what a movie. That's why it's mine before Wayne. What about for you? Well, for me, the reason Inception is the bomb is that It's the exact perfect amount of I demand a lot from you as an audience, but I pay you off even more when it happens. So it's just outside what I would imagine your general viewing audience can can tolerate. But everyone loved it, so they, he just got there. He got every bit of your attention. Say everyone, I say this story all the time, but there's some joker in the screen. I saw it all the first time he was asleep and snoring loudly by about 45 minutes in. Yeah, see, that's you just got to... Look, I'm sure he had a bad day. But the but but then what happens is with that, there's that aspect to it. I actually call this the anti-Tenet because um, <laughs> the Tenet film... Right, here's what happened with Tenet, just to give it one more foot in the ass, right? Tenet... So not on your list? Oh, no fucking way, right? Tenet is... Again, beautiful to look at because it's Christopher Nolan, so I can't fault that. However, what it's doing is, it's actually moving, it's one part, he goes, I got away with Inception, I'm going to do Tenet. And that means I'm going to give you something that I expect you to like, but not only am I not going to expect you to understand it, I'm not going to give you enough information to allow you to understand it, but I still expect you to love it. What are you, a woman, Christian? This this is bullshit, right? (laughs) Christopher... Ah, shut up, Paul. Use your resume. balls. Use your balls. Use your balls. Do not hit my balls. Use all the balls. <laughs> but then, on the other hand, the Inception itself, right? It's about dreams. I believe the third act of this film, where he goes into that, you know, twelve dreams deep, whatever fucking situation, Four, and he's three lives, right? whatever, right? 
that is so almost surreal with the with the you know the rocks falling into the ocean kind of shit that you feel like you're in a dream. You are in deep mm. so far in this mm-hmm. movie, and then when it kicks you back out, it just feels like you woke up from a dream. Amazing. And a great ambiguous ending, which you can read whatever way you want to. It was definitely real. So um, (laughs) Wayne reading the way he wants to. Uh, So yes, I absolutely adore this film. Um, Love it, love it, love it. All right, your that was your number. That was my no. That was your number. That was my. So we got to find out, wasn't it? That was my number four. Then what about your number three, Wayne? My number three is The Dark Knight. Uh Okay, so more Nolan love. Mm -hmm. Nolan racing to the lead. Yeah, yeah. My number. Three, mm. yeah. Oh my gosh, this film not on your even on your list <laughs> is what you once crowned the seventh best. It's <laughs> <laughs> my number two, Paul. Oh my god! Okay, what I is was going I was on? gonna put it at seven just to check a shit on everyone, <laughs> but I had to be honest. So go ahead, Paul. So Spielberg with a couple of one-two big punches there. Yeah, look, I think this is the greatest war film of all time. Saving it's, Private Ryan. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan. Sorry if we're not clear to anyone who doesn't, <laughs> hasn't listened to the entire back catalogue of the show. So, yeah, Wayne controversially at one point really ruled this down. Clearly has seen the error of his ways today. I called, I called it the seventh best war film ever made. Everyone put their fucking foot, broom handles, dick in my ass. So go ahead, Paul. And not in a way that he normally welcomes. <laughs> no, not in a good way. <laughs> so, yeah, this is stuck... Well, the, the most contentious calls of all time and it's still stuck to this day. People in the Facebook community still bring it up and rightly so. In fact, we'll hear some of that in the face, in the feedback at the end of the show in the Pop 10. There is no better war film. This this is harrowing. This is intense. This is such a personal story which he took from talking to veterans from World War II and then recreated the Battle of Normandy in such a way to start this movie and then led you on a journey with these characters, most of whom you come to enjoy and like. They seem like real mm. decent human beings, although, of course, they're forced to do indecent things to survive as ordered by their commanders to go look for this one surviving brother in the middle of war-torn France and bring him home because his three brothers all got killed around the same time. And apparently and that's real, right? They actually did Based happen. on some kind of real yeah, story. Kind of- and then there they, they make their last stand with a group of other soldiers in this war-torn town and the German artillery comes rolling through and how are they going to survive? Well, watch the movie and find out. If you Absolutely. Haven't. Of course, everyone sees this movie. It is astounding and that's why it's my number three and Wayne's number two. Anything to add? Yeah, you speak about the personable characters. The story Matt Damon talks about spying on his brother, that was ad-libbed completely by Matt Damon, which is kind of cool. Wow. Yeah, I know, which is kind of excellent. And also, here's a fun fact. Apparently, this is the last film edited on a non-digital editing system to win an Academy Award for editing. Ah. That means he used a movieola to edit this thing, man. Ain't no damn iMovies up in this bitch. Goddamn amazing. So, uh, there you go. Oh, this other thing. Special effects team rigged the actor's rifle with special sensors that sent a signal to exploding squibs located on the target. How cool is that? You don't see that shit ever, man. That's some some Spielberg money, man. So that was your number two. My number two. My number two is my favorite Quentin Tarantino film and the and the only one of his filmography that makes my list. It's Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, not on my list. Okay, Reservoir Dogs is the it's amazing though greatest film debut I can think of. Number two, number two, bro. Uh, this film spoke to me in in so many different ways. I remember I was sitting next to you screaming to go and see it. When we went and saw it, it blew my mind. I was at the video store the day it came out on video to hire it, oh. waiting for it to come in. Remember so waiting for shit? And I was friendly with, as you can imagine, someone like me, friendly with the video store proprietor. Oh, hell yeah. I remember having a chat. Here it is. I got the first copy to make my video store and take it home with me to, to watch like three more times that weekend. I've and never then. been so excited. Tarantino's music interest i bought the cd yeah. i was in the cd on repeat oh dude the cd was the first one we where we they had snippets of 
dialogue from the film yeah. yes. in the soundtrack. Was, yeah. And I was like, what are they doing? I love it. It was totally cool. And we and this is back when you couldn't just dial up the scene you liked on YouTube. You had to actually relive it through doing that. And I think that speaks volumes that Paul was hanging with his like friend who ran the video store. He took the thing home. This is like when audiophiles buy a record, go home, yeah. and then lock themselves in their room for just like two hours, reading the yeah. album notes, yeah. and you know, ingesting everything. This about is the it. movie version of that, yeah. and I and I do love that. You're my kind of nerd, Paul, because that's the shit I did too, just on different movies. Just the, uh, the performances: Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Steve Buscemi, Mr. Pink, uh, and Mr. Blonde. Who I know you hate Michael Madsen, but for me, he's ne- this this film. Oh was no, he's. It was stellar. His top performance, and absolutely he, he won so much credit that it got me all the way through to a film called Croc about 50, 25 <laughs> years later, twenty years later, which is an absolute piece of shit. And then finally, even I went, "He has it done. I'm done with you, Michael Madsen." But we'll always have Reservoir Dogs. You know, I really liked him in Species. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was around the same time. Too. Yeah, but the yeah, the, there's no look. Yeah, he was I like understand the American Jean Reno, which is not as good. Mm. That hang dog, hang dog. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was absolutely that guy. It's just that he was so fat. So <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually. Uh, yeah. No, great, great film. Can't, can't, can't possibly fault it. All right. Now, I hope I've got this right because I've just been doing this on the fly while we've been going along. Let's go. In fourth place, Tarantino has eighteen points. Mm-hmm. In third place, Cameron has twenty three points. Mm-hmm. In second place, it is it's literally one point the difference. Wow. Twenty. Seven points to Nolan, 28 points to Spielberg. Really? Yeah. So it's with 10 points, 20 points left for grads now with our number one spots. How's it going to go, everyone? How's it going to go? Wayne, give us a list, read back through your list and then reveal your number one today for the Battle of the Directors. So we may crown the king director of these four and indeed of, I think, modern cinema. Word. Number 10, Kill Bill Volume 1. Number 9, Inglorious Bastards. Number 8, Aliens. 7, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 6, The Prestige. Five, Pulp Fiction. Four, True Lies. Three, The Dark Knight. Two, Saving Private Ryan. And number one is Inception, a Nolan joint. Ooh. So what, what, what's going to happen with you, Paul? What's going to happen here? Yeah, all right. Well, you've had Inception. So let me just add that one in here. Ten more points to Nolan. Unless your number one is a Spielberger. He's one, yes? So what does that mean? Yeah, I think it does mean that because uh, my number one, as we're about to find out now, my number ten... Nolan for Memento, nine, Spielberg for Jaws, eight, Cameron for True Lies, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Cameron again at number seven, number six, Spielberg for Raiders, number five, Nolan for The Dark Knight, four, Nolan again for Inception, three, Spielberg weighing back in with Saving Private Ryan, two, my one Tarantino entry, Reservoir Dogs, and my number one, if you've been paying attention at home, Aliens. Ah, shit! James Cameron. How's this shake out, Paul? So here we go. Ooh, tense. Give it to us, Paul. All right, I've gone to double check. I think I may have miscounted before for Cameron, but here is definitely the final scores. 18 for Tarantino, 27 for James Cameron, even with Aliens <laughs> coming in as my number one. 28 for Steven Spielberg and Nolan with thanks to Wayne. <laughs> Actually, no, we both had three Nolans at least. You just had him way higher. 37 points, the runaway winner. There it is. In the, our battle of the directors, Christopher Nolan with the shave balls. Congratulations, <laughs> sir. <laughs> That is exactly the order that I would put those four in. Really? Yeah. Nolan, Spielberg, Nolan, Cameron, Spielberg, Cameron Tarantino. Tarantino. Absolutely. I think coming in, I was, even though I think his output has really dropped away and I don't like Spielberg's recent films, there's nothing I've seen him make in the last 15 years that have held a candle to his early films. I thought maybe his early films would, would carry him over the line. But What about War of no. the Worlds? Yeah, I didn't mind it. No, it's it not, wasn't the thing. Didn't even you... make my top 15, though. Okay. I mean, I did like it. No, I take it back. I liked it. Good film. 
Would have been better if it didn't wimp out at the end. <laughs> Give me, isn't that how the fucking? Oh, because that'd be yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, isn't uh, so? Just drop a few that you wish you could have mentioned that we didn't already talk about. Uh, Last Crusade. Yeah, that's it. Because all my other honorable mentions were on your list. So cool. anything for you? Yeah, Minority Report. I still love. Yep. Um, oddly, the Hateful Eight is a is a real favorite of Tarantino's that I didn't mention. Yeah, and yep. I, I do it. like. Yeah, I do like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood after my second. Viewing, um, but but I like all most of these. Yeah, most films. of them. I like them. most of them. I like all the Tarantino films except Death Proof. So, yeah, like it's it's strange to me that Tarantino is so far behind these other three. It's because he's so niche that he wasn't, and he probably has done less than these other guys. Is that right? Oh, Nolan's probably done very well, few as well. Yeah, I, I think he, the three of them. I think Nolan's done the least number of films. He has. Actually, Cameron. Oh no. Yeah, Cameron has done Cameron. the least number of, of most. Okay, yeah, 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 according to your spreadsheet here, the least number of. Although maybe I didn't put them all in there. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? But like, uh, yeah, Tar- like Tarantino has Obviously, Avatar two coming soon. Yeah, he's going to do twenty Avatar twos. So they'll bring him right over the yeah, top. So Nolan's done ten. Tarantino nine. Cameron, what looks to be only. Oh, uh, you haven't more got than you haven't got Piranha yeah, two there. Got a- <laughs> It's true, you haven't done an accurate I, I only pick the ones I like, Krakarachi. I know that basis you would think Spielberg would win because he's got more films to choose from. But, yeah, uh, but no, we have crowned Nolan. But let's see what the audience think with uh, the segment which ends every show. It's called The Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Kicking off this week's Pop 10 with Stephen Burns. He said, wow, a top 10 is hard. Three is nine possible. So I'm going to go for Wayne Selections. <laughs> Number one, The Prestige. Number two, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Nice. Number seven, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Jonathan Kidd said, number three, Inception. I talk mad shit about Nolan, but this was an amazing film. I prefer The Prestige, but this is technically better. Most definitely. Number two, a film neither of us mentioned, Jackie Brown. It just grows in my esteem with every viewing. That's a film. That's a Rashomon film from you're, memory you're, you're I can right. go back to. That's a cool show. And number one, Jaws, a masterclass the others could learn from. Adam Cracknell said, such a hard list to put together, but number three, The Dark Knight. Number two, Jurassic Park. None of us mentioned Jurassic Park. Yeah, you're right. And it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. I know Paul didn't I know, know I'm on record. I enjoyed it more rewatching with my family recently, but I uh, didn't love that film when I first saw it. I know, I know, I'm sorry. And number seven, I number one, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> David Power, I mentioned him at the top of the show. He gave his whole 10, but sorry, David, I'm going to read your top three. Number three, Raiders. Number two, Inception. Number one, Pulp Fiction. Daniel Hendo Henderson from the IMDb Journey podcast. Number three, Memento. Number two, Terminator 2, colon, Judgment Day. Mm. Number one, Pulp Fiction. There it is. John Amento from the Pint podcast, rebranded, said, Jaws, greatest film ever, and created the summer blockbuster. Woo. Number two, Pulp Fiction, often imitated, overduplicated. Number three, Aliens. Cam- well, he didn't even give numbers, but his third one listed here. Aliens, Cameron's best, and that's hard to narrow down. as a sequel to a property he had nothing to do with on the original, which I think, yeah. Really Speaking of which. Amazing. Do you, are you looking forward to the Avatar sequels? Oh, watch it. See, I just have I've learned not to count Cameron out. Yeah, like he just does shit that no one. I just would... hate when I read his shit. He seems like such an egotistical piece of shit. He said, "I'm the king of the world on the fucking." Oh, I what do you... Yeah, I know. But of course he is. He got out there during the week. I don't know if you saw this, and he was basically ragging on people, saying people are gonna bitch about the runtimes. But yeah, fuck you, you I sit know. at home and watch. I'm like, dickhead. Sitting at home is not the same as being in a movie theater. Yes, you can pause, piss, yes. take a shit, whatever. Anyway, but he's right. There's a lot of three-hour films out there, but you don't need to comment on that, mate. Just get on with making the fucking movie and get it out Who there. Who knows if some journalist just got pissed and started to throw some shit mm. on him? Who knows? G-banger Gerald Morris from Two Beers on a Podcast, which is coming back, coming to your ears very soon, unless you're a patron. You've already heard some of those episodes. Jaws, The Dark Knight, and Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Joe Doherty said, without commentary on excluded directors, hey, take it up with Adam, Joe. I'll go with number three, Jaws, number two, Raiders, number one, 
Pulp Fiction. Mm. Chris Frodel might be the first time contributor to the show. Welcome, Chris. What's up, Chris? Tougher than I realised, but mine are Jaws, Inception, and Inglorious Bastards. Glenn nice. Sutherland said Django, True Lies, and number one, Jurassic Park. Mm. Nolan can get in the sea. Oh, won't be liking our list then today, Will Glenn. Damn. Josh Ragland said T2, Catch Me If You Can, and Reservoir Dogs. Catch Me If You Can was one. shit. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, Ooh, and Marky Mark, Mark Ellis Reagans from the So Wizard podcast, often talking about Joey, but this week from uh, Mark Ellis, number three, Pulp Fiction, number two, Aliens, number one, Raiders, again. Favorites. B Dizzle from the We Watch The Thing podcast, number three, Reservoir Dogs, number two, Jaws, number one, Jurassic Park. He's gone on record saying Jurassic Park is his favorite film. Oh, The Princess Bride, I can't remember. One of those two. There really? There's one and two favorite films of all time. That's big. And lastly, the man himself who created today's topic. Thank you again, Adam, for your support of the show and indeed all the patrons. Check out the link in the show notes if you want to get involved in supporting the show and getting something that's happening for you. Number 10, Inglorious Bastards. Nine, Jaws. Mm-hmm. Eight, Aliens. That's exactly where you had it, right? Yeah. Seven, Django Unchained. First okay. mention of that one. Yep. Six, Saving Private Ryan. Five, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Four, T2. Three, The Dark Knight. Word. Number two, Inception. And number one, Jurassic Park. Bloody hell. Wow. We're going to piss a lot of people off From today, downtown, Wayne. downtown, yeah. Please don't give up on the show. You can still listen. <laughs> you don't have to agree with us every week. In fact, it's almost the point. So, you know, yeah. there you go. I want to invite conjecture and debate. <laughs> and, you know, now you can slam us in the Facebook community. Link is in the show notes. Send us an email via countdownpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the the website, the Countdown Podcast, which Wayne which Wayne is going to work on in due course. Very soon. And uh, follow us on Patreon. Sorry, follow us on Podbean where we host the show. And uh, yeah, CDPC20. Check it out, manscaped.com for any items that you need there. And that is it for us today. Wayne, what's happening next week? We're doing a top 10 last 10. We are. It's time. It's been about three months, give or take, since the last one. That's how we kind of work it every 10 to 12 episodes. I will be watching three movies tomorrow. Three. <laughs> We were going to do that today and then we, we changed the order around because Wayne's like, yeah, I'm still going to watch a few. Wait, how is There's you? so much TV and shit I've been watching, yeah, man. Come I've watched on, a lot man. more TV. I've watched way less films this year. Than I know. Some great television out there and uh, you know, if you want to bend the rules and include a TV show and help you out, feel free. Yeah, Thanks, well, man. That Thanks. we haven't talked about the show. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. We're, not, we're not comparing top 10 last 10, so yeah, you're right, you're there's right. no parameters. Go for it. Okay, good, good. Easy out if I need to take it. Cool. Excellent. Cool, cool, cool. That's next week. We hope you'll join us for that then. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been the Soundboard. We'll catch ya next time. Nolan, you can send her the check in the mail. Word. See you guys.